Welcome, everybody, to the Couple Nurses Podcast with your hosts, Matt Sartrek and myself, Peter Fendera. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. Thank you for tuning in. This is another beautiful couple of news episode, number 28 for you guys, quarter of the way to 100 here. But thank you guys for subscribing. Make sure you give us a like on YouTube. Make sure you give us the like on every platform. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate us, give us those, those stars. Subscribe to our YouTube. Make sure you check out our vlogs. You know, we put out a vlog for you each week, put out the news each week, and a regular couple nurses episode every Friday. So Matt, what are we going to talk about on this beautiful episode number 28? So in this episode, we're going to talk about World Health Organization's updated take on remdesivir. We're going to talk about the microbe disturbances linked to major depression disorder. And the former Israel space security chief says that extraterrestrials exist, which is going to be a little um, too informative part, uh, parts of the podcast. And one, it's going to go down a rabbit hole, I would say. So we'll see what our opinions are and what we think about the whole topic of aliens. And I think this is a good time and a great opportunity for us to introduce our Patreon account called That Loud for you guys, D-A-T space L-O-U-D. Patreon is up and running. We're offering as a few of the things. It might change throughout these months. We'll see what you guys want, we'll see what you guys are interested. But as of now, we're doing these little skits and episodes on our way from work where we basically talk about our shift, talk about some cool nursing stuff, little little conflicts, little stories, little stories um, a little bit of gossip, you know, keep it interesting for you guys. And then we're also going to offer you guys live streaming opportunities, opportunity for you guys to leave comments, speak with us, get more in touch with us on, on, on that loud via, via Patreon. And then we're also going to offer you guys a extra episode of just our flamboyant selves going down different rabbit holes, conspiracy theories, anything that we really um, could think of for the most part. you know, and Anything we want to talk about and anything where we're not afraid of being taken off the internet, off the air. Just like previously, we had two episodes taken down when we were talking about China's national security alarm stuff. So this is going to be a platform which will strictly will be open source. We could talk about anything. We're not going to give a beep. Yeah, I'm sure we could have a good um, episode on uranium if we really wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah, I like talking about that. Yeah, because man and, and I myself in our free time with our with our other um friend and other friends, we like to look at different um like random things that go on in the world or in uranium, different compounds. I guess we just look like look up different things, and we tend to you know go deep down the rabbit hole, and we end up doing like an hour or two of research about random things that have you know possibly minimal value to our current situations, but just a lot of value and knowledge potential. Yeah, I wouldn't say minimal because what if uranium is something worth investing into? You buy some companies that have uranium stocks and bam, in 10 years, you're looking pretty good. Yeah. I also wanted to add on that we do have um, blooper clips from the vlog that are going to be on Patreon as well. So if you guys are interested in Patreon or have any want to support the show, go ahead and tune in there. You can check out the different tiers and sign up. And also, if you do sign up, you're going to have early access to all of our podcast episodes. You'll get them insider scoop one so, more thing guys before we dive into this our store is now open we have a few products on our couple of nurses shop we have these cool water bottles that i'm holding in my hand this uh this space water bottle that neatly goes into our conversation of aliens during this episode i know we have a few um 
head protection over there, like those those uh, headbands that you could wear if you're on the COVID side. We have um, a few knickknacks over there as well as well as, well as our classic couple of nurses t-shirts branded merchandise and we're gonna expand on that we're gonna throw more things in it's just a process you know you exactly. know how it's guys always a process and we don't want to give you some bullshit um things as well so we're gonna give you general genuine products it takes time and we have like three or four shirt designs we're gonna throw on there and we're gonna build a awesome community around there so tune in and check that out all right enough for the ads huh mm-hmm. i'm joking all right so the world health organization take on remdesivir so november 20th they published an article called Therapeutics and COVID-19, and it talked about their current role on drugs with patients of COVID-19. So the pan, the panel basically made a recommendation, and they said that they are not recommending the use of remdesivir in hospitalized patients, regardless of the disease severity. So even they're completely in sepsis and ARDS, they don't want to use remdesivir. They don't think it's there's no evidence behind it. We'll, we'll go over the research, you know, and they're just recommending cortical steroids, systemic cortical steroids, like giving decadrine for these patients. So when I, when I look, when I take care of COVID-19 patients in our hospital, I always look at the notes and what they did. And most of the patients, yeah, they've, they've got their trial run on remdesivir, but they're still there for two months on ECMO and it didn't do any improvements. So yeah, from my understanding, just seeing it from a clinical experience as being a nurse, it, it, Remdesivir didn't seem to help the patients that are currently there anyway. Is that mind blowing how in like September and October and August people were like were anti-hydroxychloroquine because it doesn't work. Remdesivir is the is a drug of choice. Like there was so it was so polarized. Like it's either you were for remdesivir and you were against hydroxychloroquine or you were for hydroxychloroquine and against uh, remdesivir, right? Yeah. Those highly politicized, like, you know. You're not following these guidelines. You're recommending remdesivir, but you're spreading this all false information where hydroxychloroquine is effective. And now, guess what? According to November 20th, so this is last month, so we're already almost a month behind on this information. Research has shown that remdesivir has minimal to no no benefits for C19 patients. Isn't that crazy? We had a giant debate for this for for months, for weeks at a time, pushing this remdesivir over hydroxychloroquine. When it's just it's the World Health Organization is now saying that. Remdesivir is not shown to have any kind of benefit. Yeah, Isn't we, that wild? And people are so polarized, so so for this medication because this is what the government is telling us to to use. This is what we should be using. But look, now the truth comes out. Hey, you know it has no benefit. So how do we know that it's better than hydroxychloroquine now? See, should we bring that that question back up now? Should we jump back to hydroxychloroquine? And this is a problem. Like they stir the pot to that point, and it becomes that polarized that we need fact checkers and we need this information taken off Facebook because it's leading to, you know, misinformation. But what is misinformation? Because clearly we've said one thing and it's okay for two months to change your opinion. You know, I know me and you, we did a, we did a, what's it called? Analysis on both drugs, correct? And they seem to be somewhat having the same effects. We looked at symptom management and stuff like that. And here um, they did a systematic review and network meta-analysis, bunch of randomized trials, uh, four randomized trials with over 7,000 participants. And um, based on the um, 95% um, confidence interval, I think there was there was 10 less deaths per hundred per thousand patients compared to not taking remdesivir. So they find this information not to be an absolute effect on the um, outcome of mortality for COVID-19. Yeah, this is according to the World Health Organization. I know 
we don't fund them anymore, right? The U.S. doesn't fund them anymore. Yeah. We're, we kind of go by the CDC guidelines. The CDC has yet to announce any of these these reportings. I didn't see anything on the CDC website regarding remdesivir noting this study. So I haven't seen the study on CDC. Yeah. Even when I looked up like CDC guidelines on remdesivir and C19, they still recommend this medication. So I don't know what the issue is. I'm not sure what the politics are, are going on behind this. Is it the World Health Organization trying to disprove remdesivir's effects because the CDC recommends it or what, what's actually going on is I'm not sure, but I'm not going to get, you know, um, I'm not going to get sucked into this political jargon or nonsense because when me and Matt looked up hydroxychloroquine reverse remdesivir, the research that we looked up literally said that the efficacy, the efficacy, the efficacy of these medications is basically the same. The same. Yeah. Just, um, of course, remdesivir costs more and stuff like that. So. Yeah. And we're still, I think two days ago, they just found out what the mechanic, what exact molecule is being affected by COVID. So maybe they're going to try to create medication directly targeting that phospho, whatever system that the virus uses. Yeah. And I know, I know, I remember you brought up something about, um, what you're talking about, fact checkers. Yeah. Like these facts were basically, you know, th these fact checkers are, are great and all if they're coming from. A truthful and honest source but then we have this issue of what if these fact checkers are wrong right is someone gonna correct them like who's gonna be be like the correctional body for these fact checkers so like the issue that i have is if these fact checkers are incorrect and are feed us incorrect information and them not knowingly feeding us this information that's wrong because there's a difference between when somebody gives you the information that's wrong not knowing that it's wrong versus somebody knows information wrong, but they're feeding it to you anyways because they have some kind of intention, right? Yeah. So my question is, these fact checkers, when they find out that the information that they were giving is wrong, are they going to be honest enough to go back and say, hey, we were wrong, this is the correct thing? Or are they just going to be like, well, we were, we were wrong, but guess what? Minimal of the population knows wrong, so we're just going to go with it anyways. Like That's kind that, of where... That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, that's like the, the thin ethical line right there where, you know, these fact checkers are great, where they're truthful, honest, and they're correct. But when they're wrong, when they are wrong, do they have the ability and the the genuine mindset to say, hey, we're wrong, this is the correct fact, or are they going to keep pushing this this uh, this agenda that they have in mind because they don't want to be seen as a weak or, or incorrect? Yeah, and, and the question comes out to what the agenda is, right? Like, who the F knows? And yeah. that's what's so bothersome. And yeah, you just have to, ch you have to check multiple sources, like we always say. And I think social media is becoming more and more of a bad place to get information with these fact checkers um facebook is you know just like we always say the change of condition terms and conditions and everything's getting like filtered down bro i mean it could be good if you know where to look but the thing is with social media is that everyone's on it and everyone wants to spread their own information that there's so many different like objectives and opinions going on that you don't know what to believe because there's so much of everybody on social media, right? Just scrolling through your news feeds, it's impossible to figure out what's truth and what's a lie, right? Impossible because everyone is literally sharing their own opinion on things, yeah. right? And even like like these pages that you follow that you think are genuine, like hashtag science or whatever, what are they showing? They're showing ass, right? <laughs> like it, it's like sexualized too because everyone just wants just everyone's attention, right? And you know, sex is is a good um good bringer of attention because what guy's not gonna you know 
stay on that screen for a few extra seconds if you put a nice piece of ass on there, right? Like, dude, it's, even if even if you don't do it intentionally, like you're scrolling down, and you see you see some ass, you automatically look at it for like an extra second or two. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, like, what's the agenda of like the posts that I see and things like that? Because sometimes I feel like it just gets planted in, bro. Especially I don't know after, that, bro. Especially after watching that documentary, like the social dilemma. Like, man, I've been I've been skeptical of a lot of things. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, social media. If you know where to look, you could find great pure information because a lot of people that post social media are, are posting like real life occurrences cup of nurses like it's hard it's yeah i mean of course us but i'm saying <laughs> people other people like journalists things like that when they post on our story and they see like a protest going on they're in their person recording it right but the issue is that there's so much other personalities and perspectives going on that it's hard to find these genuine people that actually want to help society yeah not only that but like journalists back then like they actually went out and looked at the story and try to cover it and try to, you know, create some factuality behind it. Now, like the journalist is not even going out there and getting this information. They're just reading some, some article that's written from another journalist and then they put their own truth into it. And, you know, they make their own little clickbait titles that, you know, are for their own agenda. Yeah. I was reading something online yesterday, yesterday, uh, while I was walking and, um, I got into the subject because I'm reading an audible and it mentioned that there's only six companies that all, that own all of the world's media there's gonna be six global media companies and so i was looking into those media companies and basically these companies have a giant amount of journalist information and the thing is so these companies have a lot of media they they could you know report on a lot of things because they have a lot of people working for them, a lot of journalists a lot of reporting a lot of information but the reward system for these journal journalists is only attainable if they are getting the information that this company wants them to get, you know? So let's say a company wants you to ignore what's going on. And let's say in Saudi Arabia, I want to promote the thing, things that are going on in like Hungary. So they're going, obviously going to favor more of the journalists that are going to get the information about Hungary compared to Saudi Arabia, right? Because that's what they're going to show more, right? And as a journalist, you need to make some money, right? So if your stuff doesn't get published, it doesn't, doesn't get any media attention, well, then guess what? You're not going to get paid, right? So you're going to be more inclined as a journalist to go to Hungary and kind of follow this this media company's agenda because you want to record information that's going to be out there, right? It might not Which be, makes sense. Right? It might not be in your current best interest, but then, you know, we all got to survive. We all got to eat, right? We all got to make money. You're eventually sub, sub, subconsciously or even constantly are going to shift to to getting the media that they want you to get. Yeah. So these media companies aren't really reporting these global news or these non-biased opinions. They're basically reporting on the things that they want to report on. And these journalists are getting a lot of the information geared towards their agenda because that's where the prize is. You know, that's how they're going to get paid. You're not going to, if, yeah, if you're going to write an article that's against what those six companies want you to post about, you're not going to get hurt. You're not going to get paid. So yeah, there's an incentive to go with the the agenda or mm -hmm. go with the you know the, the current state of flow yeah. in a way nothing to do with Ramdas Ramdas but you know yeah these are just yeah these are like side topics because we basically debunked and I debunked but you guys know that Ramdas is not you know currently being used anymore and what else you know can we share about that but what's interesting is the way information gets you know spread and how it gets changed just like you know the CDC and the WHO and this whole China thing that happened right and we're going back and forth where America doesn't fund them anymore. And it's like, it makes you wonder, bro. It does. It makes it does. you it, it, like, even me right now, like, you know, I'm podcasting. I'm trying, I'm trying to give 
our listeners the best information without a bias with, with you know, my own perspective to my best of my ability. But it's so hard to sometimes read these articles and sometimes I scratch my head. I'm like, dude, what the F is going on? And then I look at other other sources. Sometimes I can't use Google. I got to use DuckDuckGo because it gives me different search results. Mm. And I'm just like, what the heck, man? Mm. Yeah, well, related back to C19, guys, uh, another cool thing that I recently learned is that to like figure out how to fight C19 or kind of viruses or any kind of bacterial infections, things like that. We Nowadays, we really don't need the live virus in the lab to do these experiments. A lot of these things are done via computers like DNA sequencing or through DNA sequencing. So all these labs, majority of these labs, all they really need is just uh, this virus or this bacteria or whatever we're studying just to be sequenced. And what they really do is they just put it in a computer and they just sequence it, put it in a computer. And then this computer figures out ways to kind of manipulate the sequence and figure out how to break different DNA sequences to fight off this this virus infection. And that's crazy. That's how like far we've become. So like when you guys remember when C19 first came out, I'm not sure if you got to remember because this because not people know about this, like this DNA sequencing and how important genomics is. It's not really talked about uh, very broadly. Not people know about it. But when C19 first came out, there was a race to sequence C19. Yes, there was. Remember that? There was a race. Who's going to sequence it first? Because it, it takes time. Because this is a new virus, so you got to study it. You got to make sure it's it's like, it. I'm not sure what the exact steps are, but it's a giant process, and it takes a long, long time. And one of the, the keys to being able to successfully fight off pathogens, infections, viruses, and other organisms like that is DNA sequencing. So there's like a giant push currently for who could sequence DNA the quickest. Yeah. Because if you could sequence a DNA of like, let's say an animal or a human or, or a virus very quickly, it's a lot harder to sequence like our DNA and multi-organism DNA because they're multicellular compared to like a virus where it's just like a, like you could say a single organism, yeah. single cell almost. But if you're able to basically um, sequence its DNA, you literally find out everything about it. You literally find out how it's, what lines its membrane, you figure out what lines its nucleus, you, you figure out how it replicates, you literally know everything about it. You're basically, um, you're basically not reprogramming, but you're figuring out how this is built. And then you can target different parts of the building cascade or building pathway to disrupt, and then that's what eventually destroy or break down the virus. So it's pretty crazy how, how that is, you know, because before in our, I mean, like, I don't know, hundreds of years ago, I don't want to say hundreds of years ago, I feel like that's too long, maybe like tens years ago or centuries, decades. maybe decades, yeah, before they just used to have like a cell in a Petri dish and they would introduce different antibiotics they to it. They still do that, those. bro, that's how we do blood cultures, yeah. right? They still do that to certain things because, you know, it's probably for, for normal things and plus it's quicker for us to culture somebody and figure out that bacteria because with like sepsis and sepsis infections, uh, we have it very well pinpointed on what the infection could be. And we kind yeah. of, depending on what the blood culture is, what the bacteria is, or the parasite or whatever is going on, we know how to target it already. You know? So because these bacteria have already been, been you can say already been sequenced. Yeah. But with like a new infection, with new emerging things where you have to figure out things quickly, uh, blood culture isn't gonna do you much. You know, right? It's good for identification, but it's not really good for treatment. It's a, it's also cool because once one company or one lab sequences DNA, 
let's just say another lab wants to collab and work with it, they don't need to send the C19 virus to them in a damn, you know, um, dry ice or something. They just like send them the freaking file of this DNA sequence virus and they're able to work with it. You know, everything's like computerized, bro. Mm -hmm. That's how AI kind of works. But, but I don't like that we're talking about sequencing because this goes into our next study and that's the way they actually con concluded this research study. So a team of researchers from, I think, three institutions in China and two from the U.S. reported that there's a link between the human gut microbe and differences in major depressive disorders. So this is the brain gut microbiota that we talk about. We had a podcast episode mm -hmm. about it and they do the same thing. They take your feces and they DNA sequence it and they did after they sequence it they basically try to figure out like how is this um how are these genes related from different feces samples so they do like this gene co-expression network that is basically a giant graph of different nodes and they're trying to correspond these genes and these pairs right to see what's what's like similar between them is there a relationship between the two mm -hmm. so and this is the way they kind of did things. And it's been hypothesized. Uh, I think there's a book about it that I wanted to read. But they're saying that the gut is playing a bigger, bigger role in neuropsychiatric disorders like Parkinson's, autism, and bipolar. And they're, they're thinking that it's linked because our, the way our nervous system and our gut microbe is talking is bidirectional. So there's information being sent from the brain to the gut. And there's information being sent from the gut to the brain through the vagus nerve. So it's wild how that works. And it's all based on what the bacteria release. You know, it's not like a bac the bacteria is not hopping on a nervous cell and riding up the chain to the brain and saying some shit. No, it's not. It's actually um, what the bacteria is expressing, expressing and the chemical, the, the proteins, right? And the metabolites, the byproduct, that's what's being absorbed through this um, information of the nervous system getting relayed back. It's insane because like as we progress as as humans we see this emerging these emerging issues with like brain health with neuromuscular diseases any kind of like psychiatric disorders like a lot of brain diseases are, are coming out right because you know, as humans we we now live longer than we used to correct so we know the longer you live the higher chance the higher probability of you to get like you know cardiac disease all that jazz atherosclerosis the longer you live uh rheumatoid arthritis arthritis things like that, you're more susceptible to, to these issues. And just like all your other organs age, well, guess what? Your brain ages as well. So we're going to have different kind of issues, different kinds of diseases that are associated with the brain. Like Parkinson's, we're trying to figure out where that stems from, dementia, Alzheimer's. Like we know it occurs and we know what parts of the brain it affects, but we do not know what it, what it stems from. And how crazy would it be if these issues had some kind of a correlation or some kind of a, a starting point in, in the gut? What if... There is, because we're not sure where, where it comes from, right? We, we, we don't know what Alzheimer comes from. We're not sure what starts it off. We know that there is damage in a certain part of the brain, and that's what often leads to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, things, things like that, right? Yeah, well, also they're saying that it could, could be... Just people screaming. It's so funny. Yeah, so supposed to be Alzheimer's, right? Supposed to be it's also linked to um type 3 diabetes which is a, this new umbrella term that hasn't been talked about mm. so maybe it is insulin resistance in the brain that's causing the breakdown of you know uh what is it called these um the myelin sheath that is preventing mm. us from storing memory yeah. or it could be about gut, uh, gut bacteria it it's could. it's we're still f 
like this is how new this research is like we just don't know fully yeah, but we're, cool. we're speculating based on what these the research mm. studies just you know finding on evidence yeah just, be, yeah just because it affects the brain doesn't mean it starts in, in the brain i'm glad we're exploring these kind of other other causes because it does make sense your your, your gut bacteria and a gut biome is largely dictated by the foods you eat right so it's crazy how this all this all these issues that we always talk about somehow always correlates with like diet and nutrition right so it makes sense if you have a, a shady poor diet and you're not getting all the proper nutrients that you're supposed to get you're eating all these all these additives all these you know chemical compounds that we're we are naturally used to digesting you know you're consuming them and then they get things that break break it down in your gut um it's releasing or it's causing different flora to grow compared to other flora and you know, that's going to affect your whole body, right? Because the food that you put in, guess what? It feeds. It feeds your whole body. It feeds every organ. It's, it's, it's information. Feeds, yeah, it feeds your brain. Yeah, it might get broken down to like those basic protein building blocks, but there's other byproducts that get, that get released based on, you know, digestion and, yeah. and things like that. So it makes complete sense if a lot of our issues, a lot of our diseases stem from our gut. And especially if you have a shitty diet and you have a lot of problems going on, it's probably related to the food you're eating. I mean, it really is, guys. Like, I don't need evidence to prove that. You know you know how you feel after you eat, like, a pizza and you go to bed. You kind of wake up. I don't know. It's like a carb hangover. You just kind of feel shitty and foggy, man. But if you have, like, two consistent days of just taking care of yourself, there's a difference. Yeah, and you feel different. Like, I'd say, so we eat pretty clean here. We don't really, we rarely eat fast food. So imagine if we took a break from eating clean and went to McDonald's right now, got, like, two three cheeseburgers each and ate them we'd for sure feel like shit and you get into food coma not even that like your gut would be upset your body would not be used to digesting these kind of foods they'd be like what the fuck is this like like what is this because you know mcdonald's is completely different compared to like a steak that we make here or the burger that we make here because we know all the ingredients what do we we use for our seasoning we use what the the beef salt pepper onion garlic and we throw on the grill and that's it compared to uh, mcdonald's what they use in their beef is a bunch of preservatives a bunch of stuff and your gut's not ready for that you're, you're gonna be you're probably gonna have diarrhea tomorrow or like in, even in a few hours and I, I, this just kind of just shows how how the food you eat builds up your gut flora and then when you introduce different foods that you haven't tried before or foods that aren't healthy to you it it gets upset because it has a mind of its own it has yeah. a, has its own home has its own family it's usually doing its own own thing it's used to you consuming the foods that you normally eat yeah that's why i like i liked trying viome which was the um i checked my like fecal sample to mm-hmm. see how my bacteria is, maybe what foods I shouldn't avoid and things like that. So when it comes to like major depressive disorder, right? So let's call it MDD. And this is what the scientists were trying to figure out this connection. So depression is a mood disorder and it's based on feelings of sadness, loss of interest. You have low energy. It affects how you think, how you feel and how you behave, behave, correct? Mm -hmm. It leads to emotional and physical problems. Currently, we think that depression is basically having too little or too much brain chemicals. But in this effort of new research, we're, we're thinking that, hey, there is going to be a uh, mi- microbiome might affect this, correct? So one example before I get into the, um, the results is let's take a fecal transplantation experiment. So this is something I found online. So these this study, they took... They took um, what, did they take human? So they took um, human feces, right? And they transplant, transplanted into a mouse, mice that are germ-free, which they don't have any MDD symptoms. And as they transferred this fecal into this mice, 
these mice started inducing depression-like behavior in the recipient animals. So this is a very small study, but it, it kind of clarifies the role of the gut microbe on the onset. Because even though this mouse didn't have any, you know, um, symptoms, it started showing the symptoms after it got transplanted the, the stool from an animal that had the microbiota mm. with um, MDD symptoms. Yeah, it's cool how they do that. They took basically a clean, basically sterilized mouse with like no gut bacteria, and they took human feces. I'm sorry, it's, it's going to be mice feces, just, no, for, no, just for clarification. It's human feces into mice. Okay, yeah. just I wanted to make sure. So they took human feces, put it into a clean, clean gut micro... Sorry. Yeah. I, already like human feces, I already explained it. Yeah, human feces into a clean mouse, and it's crazy how, how like they could just do that, and like it showed that it caused depression like like a lot of these issues that we see we don't know where they come from we know how to treat them very well and we know what, what, what they affect but we don't really have an idea on what it stems from yeah and it's crazy how how this you could say this emerging field of you know like gut exploration we could call it because in, in a hospital we don't really focus too much on, on the gut Really, we don't really focus Never. on the material. We don't really focus on gut, gut, gut biome or gut bacteria at all. Even when I see my doctor or anything like that, they don't really ask me anything about that. But how many, how many patients is he on probiotics at the hospital? Nobody do one percent maybe yeah, if, if that. that. Yeah, and it's crazy to to think about that. Maybe something that we have been ignoring for for years, or something that we maybe haven't paid attention to very very much and have taken for granted, like our gut biome gut bacteria all that it's crazy how to see that it has potentially it could potentially be like this wealth of knowledge that we need to to prevent and kind of understand how certain diseases are caused yeah because right? yeah we, we say it's bi-directional correct so if the gut is affecting the brain and it's leading to depression us taking a antidepressant and changing the brain chemicals is still not going to change what the gut bacteria is sending up to the brain. Right. And that's still affecting those chemicals, you know? Right. So, yeah. So, if you have the wrong gut chemicals, which are changing your brain chemicals into different chemicals, and you're taking medication to change your brain chemicals, you're not fixing the problem. Yes. You're, you're putting a band-aid on You're it. putting a band-aid on it. Exactly. So, maybe we should take a closer look into, look into this gut flora and kind of figure out how it affects, what, what metabolites it breaks down to. Like, think about... This would be a whole, this would be crazy to do if somebody somebody had the financial or the you willpower. I was going to say, you need some money, so man. If you take a bunch of foods, maybe this would be good for the organ on chip. You know, put the organ on chip, make it a, a gut on chip or intestine on chip and feed it different foods. See what it causes, see what metabolites it produces and see if those metabolites or those byproducts have any kind of link to the byproduct seen with like depression or different kind of diseases, right? That'd be yeah. interesting to see. This would take a lot of information, but I'm sure there's some computers that could do it. Yeah, no, I, I believe it. You know? And, and also looking at this bi-directional um, relationship here, correct? Same thing with anxiety. We talked about that before, but I'll mention it. Correct, looking at anxiety. So anxiety induces irritable bowel syndrome. It's been found in studies. So what we do instead is we take a pill to stop the inflammation in the bowel to prevent irritable bowel syndrome. But if the patient still has anxiety, then you're still sending those same brain chemicals from the brain to the gut. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be continuously 
um, creating states of inflammation and you taking a pill still not solving the issue of anxiety. Yeah. So that's why it's so bi-directional, guys. It, it, it could be the gut affecting the brain and the brain affecting the gut. Mm -hmm. So let's get into the results. So these researchers, and if, if you guys are wondering what we're talking about here, because, you know, we get off topic, we're trying to figure out the relationship between gut, microbe, and major depressive disorder. So they took 311 samples from people, feces samples, poop. 156 had major depressive disorder. 155 did not have any disorder. They underwent genetic analysis. It's called whole genome shotgun metagenomic and untargeted metabolic methods, which were able to identify different material found in these samples, correct? So they also use gas chromotherapy, mass spectrum, based fecal metabolic analysis. I don't even know how to pronounce these damn words because they're so... They did their job. Um, and after um, the studies, they found three different bacterial phages. So these are viruses that are affecting... MDD patients, they found 47 bacteria species which are linked to MDD, and they also found 50 fecal metabolites showing differences between these patients. Fecal metabolites is basically 50 different byproducts that bacteria are releasing that are characterized in these patients that have MDD. Mm -hmm. Not to mention um, there was increased abundance of um, genus bacteriotides and a decreased abundance in genera Blattea and um, Eba bacterium. So these are different um, species of bacteria that they found. Mm -hmm. I was curious is, or not curious, but what's interesting is when people get diagnosed with major depressive disorder, they don't get diagnosed via like the blood or anything. They get diagnosed via like an interview. Like you go talk to somebody, are you getting these, these symptoms? Well, according to this, the way, you know, your days are going, the thoughts that you get, the way you talk, your mood, your, your, your effect. Um, it seems like you have major depressive disorder. But now, according to the study, they have all of this, you could say, physical information about major depressive disorder and gut health. So maybe, you know, we could combine these two strategies. So an in interview and like an examination of like the gut flora to see if you actually have major depressive disorder, because I'm sure... A lot of people are getting misdiagnosed with, with MDD as For well. Sure. And they're getting put on these pills that they don't need to. And like this will show, maybe you don't need a pill. They just might have to fix up their diet or fix up their, their gut. Maybe they're on antibiotics that's destroying their good flora and it's making these these other things rise. Yeah, you, you need a doctor that's going to understand this relationship. Yeah. Because if you, go, if you go to a psychiatrist or psychologist or wherever they go to diagnose depression... Like, he's going to be asking you questions about, you know, thought level, feelings level, behavior level. Like they're not going to be talking about diet and trying to create that um, correlation. So it's also educating the current healthcare system and putting things up to date and changing, you know, like steps, just like the pills that they diagnose right. and, and, the you know, procedures. Yeah. Or it might even like help people that are that do have depression and they don't really come out. They don't really want to come out and talk about it because they... They like see it, the negative stigma associated with yep. it. This will maybe make it more inclined to actually, you know, getting getting treatment because, you know, there's people that are, they have major pressure disorder that are embarrassed to talk about it, embarrassed to go see somebody, and you know, then they commit suicide or they they just struggle for years and years and then they don't live a happy, fulfilled life. Yeah. So now going to see your doctor, getting like your gut biome checked, you know, and shows that hey, according to your your gut health, um, you're having these, your gut health or your gut biome is showing that. 
what your gut has inside is correlates with depressive disorder or major depressive disorder or other psychiatric illnesses, you know, then they would ask like a survey, like, Hey, how do you, have you been feeling this way? Have you been feeling sad? Have you lost, lost like the care for life, for life, things like that. And they could help diagnose it quicker and yeah. better, you know, cause if a doctor says, cause let's say you're feeling like, like shit, you're feeling sad, but you don't want to talk to somebody because you feel bad. You, you don't want to, you know, have people feel sorry for you, things like that. And you go to your doctor, you get your blood drawn, you get your gut flora checked and doctor says, Hey, you have these three bacterial phages, these 47 bacterial species and 50 of these metabolites that research shows have been linked to depression. How have you been feeling lately? Have you been feeling a little bit more sad lately? How is your week going? And then the patient's like, like, yeah, you know, not to bring it up. I have been feeling pretty sad these last, you know, few months, you know, and then you, then you kind of stem the conversation and it's, and that would be a lot more effective than the treatment that they do now where you have to physically go see somebody with your intention of actually yeah. talking about it, right? I'm, I'm telling you, man, billion dollar invention, created a toilet that somehow could sequence feces samples right away and your pee right away and mm-hmm. it's able to directly do that through telemed and your doctor's able to check up on you and talk. But then, Matt, guess what? Someone's going to have the information about you. You going to want to give that up? I know, man. Mm-hmm. Freaking privacy nowadays. Mm-hmm. It is centralized information. So now government's going to know, hey, man, Matt's Cretton's up, dude. What's he doing? <laughs> feed, feed the guy on social media more posts mm-hmm. about hamburgers so he goes and eats more hamburgers so then his kidneys are down to shit and then he needs dialysis. I don't know, man. But, um, it's funny. That's a rabbit hole, man. Yeah. Um, but also what this team noticed is that a lot of these MDD patients have heightened levels of cytokines, which are associated with inflammation. And you've heard about cytokines all the time with C19, how it's one of the mechanisms that creates such bad sepsis. So did lockdown, like are lockdowns more beneficial than they really are putting patients at risk? Because if you're locked down for so many months, you feel like shit, you're not seeing sunlight it's leading to depression, which puts you at risk of having elevated cytokines. Now you get the virus, double-edged sword, man. You created a bigger burden on yourself than you actually going and getting some sunlight and not being depressed. Yeah, do you know what we gotta do on these episodes is uh, figure out when we when we um, when we discovered steroids, and not like anabolic steroids, oh, decadron, like, like decadron, things like that, corticosteroids, like steroids that we get to patients because those have been groundbreaking. Yeah, we know that long-term effects are are pretty bad but the short-term benefits of you being put on short-term steroids um it does tremendous benefit to like inflammation we give steroids for a lot of these information like bronchitis people get put on steroids in a hospital people get put on steroids for different kinds of inflammation because it, they, they do work Hell it's yeah. just that long-term decrease of, of inflammation leads to all those negative effects that are associated with long-term steroid use that you know people get self-conscious about like obesity diabetes things like that but but acutely wise they work wonders man and a lot of people are I'm in a hospital i haven't given too much long-term uh steroids for for people but the short-term but benefits definitely um are, are very good they started giving oral steroids in 1950 to 1951 mm-hmm. so they first started finding some evidence between um, adrenal failure in 1930s. So in 1940s, they started understanding the two categories um, between sodium and fluid retention. 1948, they treated the first patient with um, RA, rheumatoid arthritis. That's cool, dude. Cool little history lesson there. All right, guys, our third and our favorite subject for tonight. I'm going to read you the title, guys. It's Boy. F- about to go down. Former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist. And he's quoted in saying... The unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. 
Haim Eshed, former head of Israel's Defense Ministry Space Direct, uh, Directorate, told Israelis Yedot Aharonat newspaper. Sorry for the butchering of the, of the words. But the gentleman came out a few days ago saying that, hey, I've worked in the Israeli you know, military, basically space force, and there has been contact with these unidentified yeah. people and unidentified flying objects that there's actually a communication going on and then there has been contact free for years. And um, he's 87. So like, if you think about this, does he have any political ties or political motives? I mean, the guy might be at a, on his deathbed soon. Maybe he's just trying to spread the truth of what's happening. We, of course, are speculating, guys. Take this whole next 10 minutes with a grain of salt, of course, D-Y-O-R. Um, but, yeah, we're, you know, and, th and this is something we're going to talk about in that loud a little bit more in depth. We kind of looked up the Galactic Federation a little bit, and I think we could kind of spit some interesting news on it. Or he could be tripping, or he can be in, in the, in the not-so-sound mind. Well, yeah. who knows it seems well, I, I did a little research on him he won like three awards for something in the military he's been like like he got three of like the highest military awards three years uh, this gentleman did so he was a pretty he was a very high ranked officer with with um, with a lot of awards for, for his duties for Israel yeah and he said there's an agreement between the US and the aliens they say there's a contract to experiment here on earth um both the White House and Israel officials did not like respond to any of this. Even the spokesman from the uh, the spokesman from the Pentagon declined to comment on this. So who who knows what actually is happening? But if you look at a little bit of like um, a little bit of history, the United States Space Force, which is formally named um, the Air Force Space Command, started on um, September first, nineteen eighty two, and then President Trump on uh, December twentieth, twenty nineteen, actually signed the United States Space Force as a part of the National Defense Authorization Act of 2020, and it's become its independent military branch. So, I mean, hey, man, if we created a space force, what actually is going on that we don't know about? And it's that, that slowly, you know how before we uh, weren't a bunch of stuff, so how do you, how do you normalize certain ideas and situations into society, right? You slowly bring in the concepts of it, Right, so people agree on them, and then when it actually happens, it doesn't doesn't feel as as um, that they don't get that giant shock, right? So let's say they do it through movies, right? Well, movies they do it through a lot of things, but it would be a lot harder. Let's say aliens exist, it would be a lot harder and a lot scarier if aliens just flew out from the sky and made their base over here, right? Right. It would be a lot easier if they take their time and slowly establish like normalization of alien concepts right so like matt said in movies right so you, you see them on tv you know they're not they're not that, that scary but i guess a lot of movies they are pretty scary because they come destroy the world but now you see movies where where aliens aren't antagonists they're protagonists right like aliens are working with humans to do to fight off an, an evil right. or humans are working with aliens to get like a higher consciousness things like that's what we're seeing now back then it was more movies based on you know humans versus aliens now it's kind of aliens and humans working together right and then so that's slowly already in our subconscious and now the the, the president decides to create a space force right so that's like another thing normalizing it so let's normalize space now let's make these let's get as much footage as you can of space so it feels like space is all around us like we're like we're in space you know so slowly normalize certain things and then guess what in the next next couple of years we're gonna find like like a spacecraft and then we're going to find 
other elements and we're like, oh, these are normal elements that just we just find from space. And then it progresses to eventually uh, aliens are going to reveal themselves, right? But you can't just yeah. do it right off the bat. You have to slowly progress into, into that so they're accepted into the world and society, right? Yeah, in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And like I think a couple of days ago to Japan finally landed on an asteroid and they're able to extract like two ounces of that rock material but it's going to take till i think it's going to take five years before that spaceship actually lands back on earth and we're able to see the soil material from this um um, alien asteroid or whatever so yeah i'm I'm not too sure what's going to happen um when it comes to galactic federation so this is like the the term that they kind of say um, supposedly there's an interstellar alliance from the sphere being alliance and um, they are the space traveling civilization in the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going down the rabbit hole here is um, supposedly we need to heighten our state of awareness and awaken the masses. So what it is, is um, have a higher state of consciousness as a whole before. So because like this guy said that we're not ready for them yet, correct? He's saying that um, they're not ready to be talked about yet. Like they're not ready. Humanity is not ready yet. So what is, why aren't, why isn't humanity ready yet? So supposedly we are entering this age of like um, higher consciousness and the whole world is watching as the old system is being dismantled, which, which makes sense. I think just to recap 2020, we've seen some wild ass stuff, man. We've seen everything from the pandemic to the whole QAnon conspiracies, the whole pedophilia, the whole... Um, Jeffrey Epstein, we have seen like a boatload of things, not to mention, you know, Hong Kong and the national security and all the stuff and 5G. Um, what is happening in this current system? Like, we you know what I mean? If you look at the matrix and all that, like is corruption ending? Is it getting worse? Uh, it, it's, it's hard to tell. It's so hard because like, even though social media has made communication so much quicker and so much easier, like you can talk to anybody around the world, right? Yeah. But what we lack is like context. So the only th- only context we have is stuff that are going going around a lot. Like only context we have is the things that are going on around us. Like I know what's going on on in this room. Like like I could see it. I could touch whatever I want. I could kind of see what's going on in this neighborhood. But if I want to relate to something that's going on in like Missouri or like Alabama, like it's impossible. Like the, you, you yeah. can't, right? You can't. So that's kind of. Um, so, so I went down this rabbit hole, like, like this fourth dimension before we, we started podcasting here. Damn, is, this, is this for that loud? I'll just end it real quick. <laughs> I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole. But like, I, uh, before you say it, I also wanted to mention that like Black Lives Matter um, was a huge thing this year too, correct? So like, I feel like at the beginning of the lockdown, we had this, we as humans kind of came together, let's save the planet, let's... You know, let's let's do good, correct? There was a lot of goodness. I felt it. And then it just transitioned to fear and this is bad and negativity, protests, racism. So, like, who's stirring the pot on this? So, like, hu- humans were raising their consciousness because they're on lockdown and they're able to get to know themselves a lot better. We were more introspective, correct? Where we looked within and we're like, whoa, my job did suck. Wow, I need to spend more time with my family. We had this huge uplifting of introspective and then whoop that's freaking you know that's you know sweep the rug and then it just all went down the rabbit hole ever since like april let's just say and it's just been all negative negative based on the media yeah i would say that dimensions for that lot because i'm gonna go down the rabbit hole for a while but when you since you brought out the black lives matter like it's all quiet now and like there's nothing protests going on like 
hate to tie it to election again, but that is what know, it is, brother. That's election, how you feel, man. Yeah, election ended, and all of a sudden, bang, new vaccine, no protests. Everyone's doing their thing. Chicago's still, still doing everybody dirty with their child politics, but you know, you don't see these wide marches. You don't see anybody freaking out. You don't see these groups of people gathering and protesting. You know, what happened to Epstein? Like, he did he commit suicide? Did he not? I thought that was still ongoing. What happened to Elaine Maxwell? You know, it's completely silent. Like, what happened? Did everybody just get properly paid off and everything worked out fine for, the, for like, you know, for the U.S.? Like Everybody's trying an island. You no, know, everyone's, like, fine now all of a sudden. All of a sudden, life is good because we have a new appointed to be president, I guess. Like, how does it happen? Like, it just doesn't... It's, it was like a miracle, right? Like somebody f- flip, um, you know, snap their fingers and everything just ended. Yeah. Like and, why? And that's why, that's why when I look at this shit, like how can you like believe some of this stuff? And just it, like, how can you not raise an eyebrow, guys? Like the yeah. people that are listening, like if you guys are listening to the news and just like all forward and just following the trend, wake the F up. Like, dude, there's, I don't know, man. There's, there's something that's happening that we can't technically put a finger on, but like there's just, there's like an entity, I feel like. You know, I'm not saying spiritual or something. I'm saying entity like a shadow government in a way or something. And they're just like just running the show, man. Because the events that we see that that happen in the news, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. It, it doesn't make sense how things start and the stories that are being told. I'm not. I'm not saying that COVID is a damn hoax. All right, so calm your titties here. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's a real not, damn yeah. virus. I'm dealing with it with patience, but just um, everything else, everything else. And I think that's what. We kind of want to create um, Patreon for that reason because we want to talk more about these subjects that are, let's just say, a little bit more taboo, and then we could get some negative feedback on the internet from talking about it. But it just has to be heard. I don't want to get the show deleted. I love podcasting. Yet we have to do it privately and share this information. And it's a perfect way to end it, man. See you guys on that loud, and Take see care. you guys next week. Peace.